0: It's all in our mind or it's all in your mind. Tomorrow we finish not only the Mesete, we finish Seder Nashim. It's an amazing accomplishment that uh, for all of you, for us, uh, those of you who are learning the Daf Yomi in full, those of you who, who are just doing the Matmonim, all the amazing ideas and concepts that we've covered through Seder Nashim. We were planning to have a wonderful event to to create community where we were hoping that we would get together for a beautiful dinner. The families of the people who are learning Matmonim physically and those that are learning online, uh, those that are in Eretz Israel or could be in Eretz Israel. we really were hoping to have something amazing. But I'm not in that space. I don't think many of you are in that space where that's something that we are even able to do at this, at this point. So, Mi'ot HaShem, we'll postpone it. There'll be a time when we're feeling uh, a lot more spirited, and there's no reason why we can't have the occasion at that time and, and celebrate what we've accomplished. And meanwhile, we'll, we will finish tomorrow, Mi'ot HaShem, and then start Seder, the the Zikin, which is a whole new world that we'll begin with. By the way, we had the shoe yesterday and I did it in the tefillah for a friend and colleague who'd taken seriously ill, and there was a wonderful turn for improvement yesterday. Can't underestimate the power of Tfilah, but as great as the power of Tfilah is, the power of learning for somebody, for the schut of somebody, and being mitzpalel together with the learning, that is just a superpower. And I know often people dedicate a shir to a yortzite or to a memory, that's a wonderful thing, but to dedicate it to somebody who needs it while they're living, to dedicate it for a broche for somebody, that our learning should go towards to giving somebody a brocha. What, what greater brocha is there than a, a large group of people are learning Torah with the idea in mind of, of giving brocha, of giving blessing to somebody who's, who's in need of that? So bear that in mind as well when there's a need. And Emir Sasha, may the schut of our learning today protect our soldiers and uh, be a, a, a brocha for them in the work that they're doing for us. We learned today about the power of imagination and how incredibly powerful imagination is as a tool to be used both positively and negatively. The problem is we don't often use it. We just default. Sometimes we let our imagination go wild, particularly in times like this. But we don't really understand always how to utilize the, the power of imagination fully. And we'll get some, some sense of it with a, a crazy piece of Gomorrah. And, and so many things one has to ask, and we'll only deal with, with, with some of it. Uh, there are two psuchim that we, that we will refer to in this piece of Gomorrah. The one is in Parashas Nedorim in Matos that if her husband annuls her vow, you remember from a sect but she doesn't know that he's anu- annulled them, so she made a vow, he annulled them, she doesn't know that they're annulled, so there isn't a vow. She transgresses the vow, but it's no problem because there isn't a vow. Still, it says Hashem Yislachla, she still needs atonement because in her mind, imagination, this was an Avera. So that's what we're going to explore. What happens when you do an Avera in your mind? But in actuality, it wasn't an Avera. How powerful is imagination? And we've got a similar thing, we know that if a person does an Avera he doesn't intend to, you still need a chatat, you still need kapara, you still need atonement, even though there was no negative intention, but there was a negative action. But in the case of the asham Talui, there isn't even that. A person eats a piece of meat... He knows that there's a kosher one and there's a trayf one. We had this uh, very recently, and he assumes he ate the kosher one later, on. he hears maybe it wasn't, maybe he ate the trayf one. So he wants to find out what was the other piece of meat, the one that he didn't eat. Was that the kosher one, was that the trayf one? It's gone. There's no way of establishing. So now he goes through the rest of his life, not knowing whether he ate kosher or trayf but it certainly wasn't intentional. It was neither intentional, nor does he know that he did anything wrong. Still, he has to bring a korban talui. He brings a, a korban for that, so we see the power of thought in the process of life. And the case here is Rabbi Chia Barashi. Bear in mind who Rabbi Chia Barashi was. Rabbi Chia Barashi is a, one of the greatest Talmidim of Rav. Rav is first generation Amora'im. So Rav is a Talmid of Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. So just think of who great, how great. Think of the greatest people we know today. Think of the great people that we've had, the, the Chazen Ish and the Briska Rav and the Rav Moshe Feinstein. And then go back and think of the Chofetz Chaim and of the Vilna Gon and of Rabbi Kiv Eger and go back and think of the Rashbo and the Ramban and go back and think of the Rambam and the Rif and go back and think of the amoraim and go back to the beginning of the period of Amoraim, and there you have Rabbi Chia Barashi. Think of what a human being this is, what a man this is. a you kol Idun to have a when he did Tachanun have a Amari used to say, Hashem, please save us from Yetzahara. So he used to say he had his own private tefillot. When you do Tachanun, it's a great time to make your own private tefillot as well, to, to talk to Hashem. And we rushed through Tachanun very quickly. Uh, but Tachanun is a time just to sit quietly and have a little quick conversation with Hashem and ask for special help. And every day he would say, Ribbon Shalom, save me from Yetzahara. One day his wife heard him say that. And she was a bit surprised because they had not had intimate relations for a long time. And she had assumed, as Rashi explains, that the reason was because he was old. Now she hears him praying to Hashem and crying out, Save me from the Yetzirah. My elderly Rabbi Bar Ashi, my tzaddik of a husband who's too old to have intimate relations with me, what's he praying to Hashem to save him from a Yetzirah? What's he afraid of? What's he worried about? He's beyond that age. That's what she thinks. She thought she'd try it out. The fact is he seems to have a years He's still worried. So she dresses up as a prostitute and walks past him twice when he's sitting outside in the garden and he's learning. and she walks up, she walks down and he gets into conversation with him, and says, "Who are you?" She says, "I am Haruta as a well-known prostitute. I'm just finished my day's work." And she seduces him and she begins with him. And he's sitting out in the garden. And she says, uh, you know, if you bring me down that, that pomegranate from the top of the tree, then, then we can get together. He climbs up the tree, old Rabbi here, busy with his Gomorrah open, stops learning, climbs up the tree because he wants this woman, who he doesn't know is his own wife. And she gets home and he's very depressed. She says, what's going on? So he tells her the story. She says, and it's so funny, she says, it was me. You don't need to worry about It, it was me. Now there's a question among the Akronim, did he actually have relations with her, didn't he? From the Me'iri it's clear that he did. Whether that meant that he hugged her, kissed her, went further than that, we don't know. But he did something. There the old man, Rabbi Barashi, Bar-Ashi, the Godel Hador, learning in the garden, gets attracted by a passing prostitute, so he thinks he doesn't know that she's his, his wife. And he's devastated that after all this lifetime of Tzitkus, he falls that in his old age, he, he fails, he's devastated. She says, but it was me. He doesn't believe her. And she eventually gives him a demasaleh simana. She proves that it was her. That's all fine. So it was so technically I didn't do an Avera. But in my mind, I did. I thought you were somebody else. In my mind, I did an Avera. Says Rabbi Chia Barashi. And he wanted to jump into the fire she was making to commit suicide. He was so devastated, she wouldn't let him do that. He started fasting and eventually died from the fast. He couldn't get over what he had done. That's Rabbi Chiyah Barashi. Ba- and then the, the Gemara brings and says the Tanya and brings the Isha'i Haferim Vashem Yislachla, the case from the Dorim even though she doesn't know that she's done wrong. Rabbi Akiva used to cry when he read that Pasuk. A person who thinks he's doing wrong, but it turns out he didn't do anything wrong. He goes into a a restaurant and he decides nobody's looking. He'll order a nice treif steak and he enjoys the treif steak. And then the chef comes to him after and says, I knew you were a from Jew. And I knew you were misbehaving. The steak I gave you was, was glut kosher. You don't have to worry. There was nothing wrong. Still, you need little and kapora. How much more so somebody actually does wrong. And then there's the case, uh, the, the same with the Ashim Talui that the Gemara Rabbi Akiva brings. Also the case where he's uh, not sure whether he's done wrong or not. Both are cases where the mind is involved, but, but in action, no real issue has been done. Explains the mashor. By the way, it's an important mashor. I noticed that in the Hebrew art scroll it says she tested her husband. She was testing her husband, and that that's what the mashor says. That's wrong. That's not what the mashor says. She wasn't testing him. What she realizes is Ad to have a nahu, she didn't put on makeup. She didn't dress seductively. All this time because she thought they're an old couple, they're over it already. It's not, what, it's not what they're about. He hasn't got the strength for that anymore. And now she realizes, he davens every morning for Yetzirah. She realizes she has a different role to play as the wife. If the reason they hadn't been having intimacy was because of old age, what's he davening for? So she realizes the reason they haven't been having intimacy is her fault. When my time I she checks it. She dresses up and she comes past him. She sees he's, he's good. He's, everything's fine. And she realizes she has a different role to play. Because what what changes in old age is not that they can't have a meaningful and a beautiful, loving relationship of intimacy into their very old age. What changes is the testosterone. When a man is young, he's the initiator. He pursues the women. When he gets older, he stops pursuing women. There are other things in his life he puts his attention into other things. He's He's not the initiator. But it doesn't mean that he can't respond to women. And that's why he davens. He says to the Bona Shem, I'm busy learning. My head's in learning. I'm an old man, but save me from the eighth Horus so that I don't, I don't get turned on by somebody I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be. She realizes that and realizes that she has a different role to play. As they've aging, her role becomes more active, not less active. They, they switch roles. He becomes less and less active. She becomes more and more active. But their relationship can still be a vigorous relationship. That's what the Gomorrah is teaching us here. And we don't have time to learn that it's, it's a wonderful miri, but what we do see in the miri is that there was actually a physical relationship. The, the question that I want to deal with briefly in the time that we have is the other question that, that emerges, which is asked. One asks it oneself when you learn this Gomorrah. That's one of the first things that I, that, that troubled me. As we had a Gomorrah back on Daf, Lamed Tess. We, we had a case there where Rabbi Yaakov explains that when it says that the richun yomim, with Kibut aim and with Shiluah HaChakein that you'll have a long life it's not talking about a physical life it's talking about a life Elo for example if a man that goes up and takes a, does Shiluah HaChakein and falls off the ladder and dies what, how, how do you put that together the Torah says you get a long life for that, for that mitzvah so the Gemara says, but maybe that happened, maybe there hasn't been such a case. No, they said Rabbi Yaakov actually saw such a case. So the Gemara then says, so maybe he was thinking something wrong at the time that he was doing it. Maybe it all well, looks okay, he's doing a mitzvah, but maybe while he was doing the mitzvah he had bad thoughts. Answers the Gemara, The Rebbein doesn't regard a bad thought and a bad intention as having been acted upon if it wasn't acted upon. That doesn't mean that a bad thought is not negative. Bad thoughts are bad for people. Not good to have negative thoughts. But the Rebun doesn't treat it as if you acted on it. Whereas a makshavah tova, if you have a good intention and you're unable to act on it, not you just decide you're lazy to act on it, that's nothing. But you have a good intention and you're unable to act upon it, the Rebun is metzarifal, and Hashem regards it as if you've actually done it. That's the power of a positive action. It's in your mind. It's imagination. I imagine I'm going to do this wonderful thing, and I envision doing this wonderful thing, but I can't get to do it. It's not possible to do. The when Yislam treats that as an action, that's how powerful imagination is. It has the same impact on your neshama as if you actually did it. You can change your neshama. You can transform your neshama with imagination. Negatively, Hashem, it's a chesed of Hashem that He doesn't allow it to damage the Neshama in the same way as an, action, as an action would damage it. But a positive thought is much more powerful than a negative thought. And a positive thought can actually transform the, the Neshama. Asks the Iyun Yaakov. The Iyun Yaakov is the, is the Shfus Yaakov, is it? Beginning of the end of the 17th century, beginning of the 18th century. He was a rov all, all over. He was born in Prague, and he was a rov in, in Eastern Europe, in Poland. He was a rov in Germany. He was a rov in France at the end, in Metz. And when you've got somebody who... the Ian Yaakov is on the Agadita of the, of, the ter, of the Gemara, But when you've got somebody who was a big authority in, in the Nigle, in the area of Torah that is Haloha, he wrote three volumes of, of Shilas and Shuvahs, the Shvus Yaakov, which we use, which are very important in Pesach and then he wrote it on to so the Shvus Yaakov is a very significant, that's why that's why I curate him there, that he's, he's somebody to take notice of, and he asks that question, and he answers since the fact is that he did act on it, it's true that the action turned out not to be, a, not to be an Avera, but it was an action. Then the, then the imagination kicks in. So when does it say Hashem does not take note of an imaginary, you, you plan to do something wrong and you don't get the opportunity, Hashem discounts it. But if you plan to do something wrong and you act on it and through no effort of yours it turns out not to have been an Avera that the Reboon does act and that has a very heavy impact on the Neshama and he was so concerned that in order to do tshuva he fasted until he died. He He never ate again in his life. Because of he was so concerned about the power of, of what had happened, even though that technically it, it wasn't So we see so many things. We see it's not just about technical. Technically, did I do an Avera? Is there a hetero? Isn't it? Can I get round that's not about the technical? That's a piece of it. But what's going on in your head? That's what's important. What's going on in your head? You create the Avera by combining an action even if the action itself is not technically an Avera. But acting out on an imagination, that creates an Avera, that creates a negative force. And how much more so is that the case with a a positive force? If you create a positive force in your mind, if you imagine the positive, and you can't get to fulfill it, but you envision it with your full imagination, don't minimize, don't ignore the power of imagination, the power of envisioning. You can bring things, you can make things alive through the power of envisioning. But most important of all, you can affect your own shama. you can affect who you are as a person by your power of envisioning and by your power of imagination. And particularly at this time, some of us who, who have the, the privilege and the responsibility and the, and the danger of being in the front lines of what's happening today, and some of us are supporting them in, in different ways. And some of us get frustrated that there's a, uh, not that much we feel we can do. Particularly people who are living outside of Israel, but even inside Israel, and that can be a frustrating thought. Don't think there's nothing you can do. You can use your power of imagination of what you would want to be doing, of how you would want to be helping there. Don't sit and look at the news uh, dispassionately from a distance and say, you know, terrible thing. Oh yo. Feel what it would be like if you were there helping. Live that. Feel that, imagine it, be part of it. You don't have to separate yourself. You can be part of it in your mind. I, you can't actually be there. Imagine you there helping somebody who's been wounded. Imagine you there supporting a soldier who's doing a job of work. Imagine you there rescuing a hostage. It's you, you there. Imagine, use your mind. Because I Kodesh Mitzaref can't actually do do anything about it, Okay, but at least in your mind you're there. You're not sitting coldly and just treating it as some kind of intellectual exercise. not, Not that I'm suggesting that any of us feel that way. We all feel incredibly emotional and sad, but it's not just about feeling the sadness and feeling the worry. I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about being part of it, at least in your mind helping and supporting and participating, at least least in your mind. Because look at the power of imagination. You can take something which is technically not an issue and turn it into an issue. How much more so you can take something which is a mitzvah, even if you're unable to do the mitzvah, the power of the mind is such that the Reboi treats it as if you have done it, and it has the effect on your neshama as if you were present and participating and active even if you weren't.